everybody and welcome back to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi and I'm your host. I've always dreamed of interviewing somebody from Surfrider for this podcast and I was really interested in finding out what you have to do or to be to get employed full-time by the NGO and what the job entails. This week I got to sit down for a chat with Lily Woodbury who's an environmentalist, a writer and a media specialist making ways within the non-profit organisation Surfrider Pacific Rim. She's based in Tofino which is off the west coast of Vancouver Island in Canada. This weekend, on the 16th of February, Surfrider Pacific Rim is organising a massive beach clean-up in Tofino, British Columbia, and it's perfect timing to get up to speed with what Surfrider is doing and to meet one of their key leaders. Lily um, is bubbling with energy and ideas, and you could say that her chapter, Surfrider Pacific Rim, are really setting the standards for all surfriders around the world. From film festivals to straw campaigns and sewing workshops, this surfrider antenna is incredibly creative and is shaking things up in a very efficient manner. In this episode, we get to talk about the different campaigns that Surfrider is leading, we learn what cradle-to-cradle and volunteerism mean, and discover the wild remote cleanups that Surfrider organises in the beautiful surroundings of Tofino and Eucluet, British Columbia. So, I'll let my guest, who has, by the way, a beautiful radio voice, do the talking. Please welcome Lily Woodbury. Hello, Lily, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. It's a pleasure to meet you. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm very excited to be on the podcast. I've been loving following it the last few months, and it's just a real pleasure to be on here. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Thank you ever so much. So maybe before we start, uh, perhaps you could introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, so my name's Lily Woodbury. I'm 25 years old and I live in Tofino, British Columbia. And if people do not know where that is, that's on the west coast of Vancouver Island. It's absolutely beautiful and it's known as Canada's uh, surf capital. (laughs) So very cold water surf, especially lately because it's been snowing way. We don't usually get snow and it's been really, oh yeah, it's been really snowing. So it's been particularly cold. And uh, I have the amazing fortune to work for a great nonprofit here called Surfrider Pacific Rim. We're a chapter of Surfrider Foundation who's based in San Clemente in California. And uh, for anyone who's not familiar, our mission is the protection and enjoyment of the ocean, beaches and waves. And so I'm the chapter manager for this great organization who is working to protect the great coastline and protect our surf breaks for everyone to enjoy uh, for now and hopefully long hereafter. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So um, maybe if we can rewind a bit uh, before talking about your job at at Surfrider. um, Yeah. How long have you been a surfer? That's a good question. So I was born in Tofino, but I actually left when I was four years old and I moved to northern Ontario to the Great Lakes to another island called Manitoulin. And there wasn't really surfing there. Like I think it was a very like peripheral sport and very, very cold, like a whole other level, you know, in the wintertime compared to here. And so from the time that I was four to 18, I didn't surf at all. Right. I just lived in Ontario and I did a lot, but I did so many other sports. I was always really athletic. But my whole life, I always had a plan to come back to Tofino 
And I always wanted to surf and I always wanted that to be my life. So as soon as when I when I came back when I was 18, I began surfing and absolutely loved it as well, but had a hard time really getting into it because I was going to school at University of Toronto for four years. So I'd be back in the summer for a couple months and then go back to school in Toronto. So it was hard to really, yeah, I loved it, but it was hard to, you know, if you're only surfing a couple months of the year, it's hard to really become good at it, I guess you could say. (laughs) So then upon graduating in 2015, I feel like since then I've really been able to give it my all and it's become my main surf and my main sport and I just love it so, so much. So brilliant that's so cool yeah. so um so so you've lived in Ontario and then you've lived um you grew well you're very young in in um in Tofino did have you ever had another chance of living close to the ocean or is this the first sort of long-term chance to to live by the ocean yeah this has pretty much been the most long-term I've had living next to the ocean I was also I lived in New Zealand for six months so it's pretty you're always pretty close to the ocean when you're there and I was there working for Greenpeace for six months in uh, 2016. So that was also incredible. And I, I feel like wherever I go and I travel now, I always need to be by the ocean. <laughs> it's too strange not to be close to it. So, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. You've done, you've worked for nonprofits, Greenpeace, uh, anything between Greenpeace and Surfrider? Or has Surfrider been your sort of main job since you graduated? Surfrider's been my main job since I graduated. I started volunteering for Surfrider here in um, late 2015 and it was I was doing a lot of volunteer work and I was doing a job that wasn't in my field and I just wanted to break into the environmental field because I know that that's where my passion is that's what I'm meant to be doing so I got the job in New Zealand was like I need to do this I went over there and I kept volunteering for Surfrider and we were just growing exponentially and and creating so much and making so much change and then we gained enough capacity to create a paid role And once I applied for that, I was really lucky to get that role. And so after six months, I came back to Tofino to work for Surfrider. And it's, uh, yeah, really, really, really lucky. (laughs) So what did you study at the university? I did a double major in environmental studies and uh, cinema studies, actually, which people always say, you know, how is that connected? But the two are so incredibly linked. And I'm really fortunate today to still be involved in that by running our short film festival, which are all environmental films, all surf films, and all uh, are trying to convey how film is such a powerful medium Mm. to transform the world, how to capture a story and be able to share it uh, globally. So yeah, that's so cool. We'll talk about the film festival a bit later. But um, yeah, um, this is really fascinating. So media and environmental science that's a really interesting yeah. course to sort of to, to be able to follow do you think you could tell us a bit about what your role is at Surfrider Pacific Rim yeah so I'm the chapter manager so I help to manage all of our operations so we have eight campaigns and programs so managing all of those we're a volunteer-based network so volunteers are the lifeblood of the organization so it's managing the volunteers and their roles and helping the volunteers to grow and also growing alongside them because there's so many incredibly skilled people and I'm really fortunate to learn from them all the time mm-hmm. so doing that uh, working on grants and fundraising and uh, writing and media and basically everything that that goes into it you know it's a pretty full operations so I get to learn a lot of different things in just one job so (laughs) very fun very keeps me keeps me busy yeah so your your title is chapter manager what is a chapter um I I didn't quite grasp what a chapter is that's 
A very great question. So uh, as I mentioned, our headquarters is in San Clemente, California, and uh, they got started in 1984. And so what they did was they created a structure called a chapter network. So there are chapters all over the states and then three here in Canada. And then we have affiliates, as you know, in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also affiliates in Australia, Japan, Brazil. And so through the chapter network, we are able to, we have the same brand, we have the same mission, the same values, like all of that is consistent across the board. But related to coastal issues and ocean protection, we're able to work on the issues that are the most pertinent to our local area. So in one place, it might be clean water. In another place, it might be plastic pollution. In another place, it might be beach access, another climate change. So we're able to yeah, really dive in and focus on whatever whatever it is that's that's um, the main issue where we live. Yet we all get to share resources and help each other. Uh, an ex- good example of that is we launched the Straw Suck campaign here in Tofino. And then from there, uh, we were the first chapter to do it. And then lots of other chapters use the campaign pack and have also launched it. So it's a really, really great system and really powerful and, and so much fun to work all together. Yeah, that's so cool. And um, yeah. And so, so, how do you sort of apply to be a chapter manager or a, to, to work for Surfrider beyond being a volunteer? How do you actually sort of, how do you get the job? <laughs> because it sounds such a cool job. And, and to it do is. So, <laughs> so, so much. Yeah. Good. No, it's a really good question. And I, I would love to see more jobs open up in the environmental sector. I think there's so much focus, like there's so many jobs in resource extraction and that whole paradigm needs to change where we create jobs in the protection and the restoration of the planet, along with having a really healthy volunteer culture as well. Like I still volunteer for Mm -hmm. Surfrider as well as other organizations. And so I think to get involved, you just have to, you have to volunteer. You have to get involved in the initiatives, get to know the ins and outs of it. And I think once you do that, those opportunities, you see that there are those opportunities. There is that funding that is available mm-hmm. to, to make that happen. So I'd say for anyone who people, I actually get asked quite often, like, how did you you know, get into the work that you get into? And it's like, my the degree helps, but yeah. to be honest, it's getting the experience, it's diving in and getting to know the organizations, it's networking, getting to know the people and really caring about it. And I think from there, you can find the opportunities to create a career and life out of it. Just like, yeah. as you know, whatever you want to do, you can make happen. So <laughs> it's kind of the same. But I really think we're in a, a time when things are changing and there are more opportunities in the environmental sector, which is obviously very, very needed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's really interesting what you say to think that, you know, you just have to go for it, whereas a few years ago or in my generation it was much more difficult to actually get the, that kind of a um that kind of a job and that kind of a profile um you had to yeah. build up on a career whereas nowadays you can you can just, you just go you have to go ahead and and volunteer and make things yeah, happen. yeah. exactly That's and true. i love that and social media is such a great tool for that too because you can share those opportunities you connect with people way easier than you ever have been able to so it's a really incredible vehicle for making that happen yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so about the um the different campaigns that you're managing right now at Surfrider hmm. Pacific Rim, could you sort of do a rundown of what you're 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 working on at the moment? Yes, absolutely. So right now we have four campaigns. Um, well, two of which we have finished, but we are still working on them in some degree, which I'll, I'll explain. So we ran our first campaign that we launched was the Straw Suck campaign. And um, that was to eliminate plastic straws across our region, which we were successful in doing and getting the businesses to voluntarily give them up and switch to paper upon request, um, reusable upon request, or just having having none. Mm -hmm. Um, Most have paper or have the reusable upon request. 
And uh, so we did that, which was, again, huge because we were the first town in Canada to make that happen in the first chapter in Surfrider. That's incredible. And then, yeah, it is really, really <laughs> great. Because how long did that take to actually sort of make everybody, um, you know, give up straws? It took probably like, let me see how long it would have taken. It was about four months in, in the one town of Tofino and then about half a year in the other town of Euclid because we work in two towns that are on other on either end of, an, of a peninsula called the Essoista Peninsula, also known as the Pacific Rim, hence the name. So yeah, because it's all, it was, even though I'm helping to manage it, it's all volunteers who would take a group of four or five businesses each and work with them to see what challenges they had to help them overcome that and to, and to make the switch. So it wasn't like we went in being like, everyone has to make this change. It was like, let's work together to make this a collaborative effort. And now it's such a community owned initiative. You know, people come here from all over the world and are constantly learning about what, what we did and they go home and they take that knowledge home and it's, it just, the impact just keeps, um, yeah, it just keeps growing. That's remarkable. So that's one. That's one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that's one. So our next one is the ban the bag campaign. So similar, uh, we want to eliminate plastic bags across the Pacific Rim. And our goal was to get 80% of businesses to voluntarily give them up by this spring. We actually met our goal last spring. And so when we had reached that um, that number, we wanted to go to both our districts, so the District of Tofino and the District of Yukulit, to ask them to create a bylaw uh, regulating a single-use plastic bags, mm-hmm. which they agreed to do. So wow. this year... And they, yeah, so they agreed to do that, but they also, we have a, a really incredible mayor, uh, her name's uh, Josie Osborne, and so she created a motion to regulate single-use plastics. So it's not just going to be bags, there'll be bags, but then we can add other items to it as the years go on, which is really fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. So both, and they added straws to it as well, so both straws and bags will be regulated this year, which is really exciting to have is- finally have a victory on both on both the campaigns and have it not just be a social contract with the businesses, but actually a bylaw. And again, setting an example for other communities to follow and giving the resources for them to follow as well. Right. And so, so do you have lobbyists or, or people in your team who sort of are going to see the mayor and, and the political institutions yeah. to actually sort of not give up on, on the project? Oh, How yeah. does that work? I mean, is it you or is it somebody else in your team? It's uh, it's usually myself and the chair of our organization, Michelle Hall. She's mm-hmm. really fantastic speaker and influencer. <laughs> She's also British as well. Really? <laughs> yeah, something about an accent. People can't say no to it. And uh, so her and I, her and I often go in and yeah, we do a lot. We do a lot of presentations, but we're lucky that our region is small enough that we all know each other quite well. Mm. So to me, it's like, oh, are you doing lobbying? In my mind, I'm like, what? I'm just doing a delegation. Like, <laughs> we all know each other and sit down and talk about it. So again, we're lucky that we have that um, close-knit community feel when when creating yeah. these changes and also you're, yeah you're very close I mean I understand that in in bigger cities or, or you know really massive organizations it's very difficult to get to the, into the decision maker um, yeah how, is it difficult in, in Tofino to do the same or have you now established no. relationships yeah, we all have very established relationships. It's not hard at all. Both the the mayors in both Tofino and Euclid and the councils and all the district staff are so um yeah, so open and so welcoming and always happy to chat. And again, we all know each other outside of outside of um the work as well. So yeah, it is a lot easier. And we are lucky to have to have that, you know, in a city it can be harder 
But the cities here, both in Vancouver uh, and Victoria, where we also have Surfrider chapters, have also been very open to creating this change as well. Yeah. And both those Surfrider chapters have been working with them to create these regulations. So the city of Victoria has banned plastic bags, and the city of uh, Vancouver is also going to be regulating a number of single-use plastics. This is really, so. this is great because it's amazing that the the power of you know volunteers and actually sort of organizing these events or organizing cleanups or organizing the, this sort of lobbying if you if you want to call it that way um but it's it, it it's um it's great to see things really changing now um and in a yeah. lot of countries it's it's been it's been a big task and it's now starting to that, that there's that uh it's like that hundred monkey effect i don't know if um if uh you're familiar but there's somebody who told me a story about um when they did the nuclear testing in the moro uh, in tahiti the french did loads of nuclear testing and then they decided to um to just to see if monkeys could survive in the uh, in the environment so they sort of shipped a load of monkeys into the desert islands and then they taught three monkeys to clean the coconuts so they wouldn't get radiated or whatever and in fact uh once 10 coco- 10 monkeys were able to wash the coconuts the whole population of monkeys managed to um, wash the coconuts and eat them and and, not, uh, and so there's that kind of tipping point where yes. there's a moment when there's a um there are pioneers like you guys at surf rider and volunteer associations and greenpeace and they do all these efforts and then one at one point it just there's that tipping point where everybody goes and does uh, and makes the change yeah and and that's really yeah. really interesting and i think it's starting to happen it is i think it has i think we're at that tipping point i love that monkey store i've never heard that but it's so true with with social and environmental innovation that you know you don't often need a majority you just have to get enough people and then there is that tipping point where you've created enough influence enough momentum and it's like everyone everyone gets on board at that point you know it almost seems like odd not to do you know so no it is it's really true so there's the straw there's the plastic bag and so what's the other plastic ones bag? Yeah, so the next one is the Hold On To Your Butt campaign. So this one was started by San Diego. Uh, so this is the campaign, yeah, that they, they launched. And it, uh, through this campaign, we're working to raise awareness about the uh, the pollution that cigarette butts cause because they are the most littered item in the world with over, let's think it's 4.95 trillion are littered a year. Then in most places you go to, they are the most common item you find on on beaches and in sidewalks. And so through this campaign, we have these cigarette canisters And so when people smoke and they put their butts in the canister, we then empty the canisters and then all those butts get recycled. And so they get recycled into plastic lumber. So it's keeping this, yeah, so it's keeping this item, this plastic item out of the landfill and keeping it out of the oceans, but also turning it back into a resource. And again, not having to extract more raw resources to create that plastic lumber. You're using something that already exists. So it has that whole... um, cradle to cradle design design idea happening which we're trying to create more of because nothing should be waste you know waste is food for something else so that's another the, the yeah. cradle to cradle um do you think you could sort of tell us more a bit more about what cradle to cradle means um because that's a really interesting concept yeah so cradle to cradle it is as far as i know it's uh, an idea that has been put forward through circular economic thinking and so let's say when you when you create something that it can be, at the end of its life cycle, it can go back and be recycled into that same thing or something different that has um, just as much value, if not more. Whereas the system we're in now, it's very linear. linear. You use something once and then it goes to landfill 
or it becomes a pollutant, which in th- through this we lose billions and billions and billions of dollars in resources every year because we're throwing so much stuff out. Yeah. And that should never be the case. So with cradle to cradle, you're, cradle to cradle, you're creating things that can always be turned back into that that same that same resource or something very something similar or something that is going to be useful or yeah is just as much value so it's uh something that we we are very focused on on doing and i can tell you a bit more some of our other programs that are also doing yeah because there's a there's a wetsuit wetsuit um makeover or something like that uh campaign sorry i've got the wrong words wetsuit reincarnation that's it so, yeah so that was one of our programs and yeah through that uh, we collect unusable wetsuits, and again, wetsuits are a petroleum product not built with cradle-to-cradle thinking, and so those get sent to Suga in California, who turn them into yoga mats, and the yoga mats are cradle-to-cradle because the yoga mats, once they are worn out, they can keep becoming yoga mats. Really? That's yeah. really, really, that's remarkable. So let's recap. you got um, straws, straws, the bags, the, bags, the butts. <laughs> the butt. <laughs> yeah, and then our last campaign is the Ocean Friendly Business Campaign, and uh, we so our headquarters has a campaign well it's a program called ocean friendly restaurants and it's to help restaurants again eliminate waste eliminate plastics adopt sustainable operations but we just we changed it a little bit to be an ocean friendly business campaign because we wanted we have we don't we have less businesses here and we also wanted it to be so that every business could be involved in making changes to make their operations more um, ecologically conscious and better for the oceans And so every year we register 15 businesses as ocean-friendly for, yeah, eliminating plastics, diverting waste from landfill, having, you know, circular economy practices, and again, having sustainable operations that are specific to their business type. And it's really great because it weaves in all of our other programs and campaigns Mm -hmm. so that they're across the board. They're involved with everything else that we're doing from beach cleanups to a couple of our other programs I can talk about later to, you know, getting rid of all these plastic items and it's it's a really important part of what we do because businesses have again such a huge impact that they can make it's not just consumers that impact businesses businesses do impact consumers when you go somewhere and they don't have plastic or you know they have water conservation they have different measures in place that is going to influence that person that's going to teach that person because they're going to ask why you know so that's a really we love we love that that's so, that's so cool. So there are lots of, obviously, beach cleanups. I mean, that's what yeah. I know Surfride the best for, is the organising the beach cleanups. <laughs> uh, I've, yeah. I've already joined, joined a few. Um, what's really interesting in your region is that you do remote cleanups. Could you tell us a bit more about what they are? Yeah. Remote cleanups are always a fan favourite. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Everyone loves them. I love them so much, too. So yeah, we do local beach cleanups that are accessible, so you can drive to them, you can walk to them. But remote cleanups are when you're going to a place that's not accessible wow. by foot, really, or by vehicle. You have to take a boat there uh, or, or a helicopter, but we just obviously try to boat because that's much <laughs> – it's uh, way less fuels and better use of resources. So in British Columbia, uh, so much of the coast is so – yeah, so remote, so uh, – how would you say – yeah, it's remote. It's you can't easily get there. It's undeveloped. Um, so a lot of these places where no one lives, a lot of marine debris is washing up. You know, you'd think that you'd find the most yeah. plastic pollution in places where people live, but it's the opposite. It's places where no one lives, and this stuff is just washing in constantly and just getting stockpiled on the beach, in the high tide line, and even in the vegetative line. It gets really? pushed back storms oh you'll go into the forest and there's tons of styrofoam and buoys and all kinds of things 
So we try to go to these remote areas to also restore them from from this pollution because there's these, there are these incredible environments where wildlife lives and you see how the wildlife are impacted. You know, you'll find things and you'll see that a wolf was chewing on it. So it's the marine and terrestrial ecosystem that are suffering from it. So that's a, a what really fun part of what we get to do in the summertime is bring people to these amazing places that are yeah, are, are not developed and are just so beautiful with old growth rainforest and these amazing beaches and you know and these you know quote unquote pristine places have so much pollution and so people get the opportunity to give back but also be there and disconnect from technology and and really get involved so how long does it uh, does a remote beach cleanup take it, it really varies it depends on there's a, a group we work with ocean legacy and they actually recycle all of our marine debris people should definitely check them out they're an amazing organization and so they'll go out they've gone out for like a month at a time they'll go wow. out for weeks at a time so they're really amazing like that um our group We'll go out anywhere from one day to four days is uh, kind of how we do it. So, um, because where we are, we can get to most places pretty quickly. But if we want to do a whole stretch, like we'll want to clean one whole side of a larger island, we'll camp there for multiple days. That is a really cool sort of idea for a holiday. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's unusual, but it's, it's a really cool way of connecting with nature and actually giving back. Oh, absolutely. And it's so on the rise. You know, people want to come here and want to be involved in that. They want to be involved in that or that volunteerism that's giving back and making a meaningful difference and learning more while they're while they're doing it. Oh, I love the term volunteerism. That's that's the first time I've heard it. It's really, really oh, cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it is really cool. And it's really it's really blossoming. And it's again, it's so important no matter where you are, whether you're at home or you're traveling, it's important to be giving back. You know, the ecosystems are supporting everything we do. Yet a lot of us aren't in a reciprocal relationship. We're not giving back as much yeah. as we can be or should be. So, yeah. yeah, and I did write a piece about our remote cleanups for Immersion Surf magazine. Yes. I don't know if you saw that piece, <laughs> but did. that's a fun one. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so your beach cleanups, um, about beach cleanups, and maybe maybe you can answer on a whole sort of worldwide surf rider perspective. Can anybody organize these at any time, or do we have to sort of follow the calendar of the World Ocean Day and the World Water Day? Or what? what's the setup for, for surf... Can can Surfrider help anybody uh, organize a beach cleanup? Yeah, so we do have a beach clean guideline that people can use to organize their own. I don't think anyone should be limited to the specific dates like World Oceans Day. I think they should be doing these things all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think people need an organized cleanup to get involved. I think they can also just do it on their own. Yeah. We're launching a new tactic called the hashtag five minute beach cleanup. And so that's a way to get people to give back every time they're at the beach. But if people do want to organize their own, they can certainly get in touch and we have the resources to do that. I think one really important piece of advice, and uh, I know this is always on our minds in Canada and is very important to us, is always seeking permission from the from the people whose land you're on. You know, so for us, we are on New Channel's land, New Channel's First Nations land. Um, we work across different nations in Clackwood Sound and Barkley Sound. And so it's always asking permission and um, having their their involvement because they are the true stewards of this land. So I think some some cleanup groups may go to a place, not know the cultural or historical context and want to do a great thing. But I think in order to make it really both ethical and to have it make a, a difference, you need to be getting that, that permission. And it, whatever country you're in, mm. and most of the time you are going to be on indigenous land. And so seeking that permission and seeking that 
involvement is super imperative. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Could you talk us um, talk us through the next events that you're organizing in the Pacific Rim chapter? Yeah, we have quite a few exciting ones coming up. So our next cleanup is actually this Saturday. And uh, it's a little bit different than our usual cleanups. We're partnering with a a fellow nonprofit here called Central West Coast Forest Society. And they do a lot of incredible work um, planting trees, restoring rivers, doing all this amazing ecological restoration work. And they do back road cleanups because where we live, there's all these uh, a lot of these old logging roads that lead to different lakes and different areas but people will use them to illegally camp. And then there is a lot of illegal dumping because of this. And people will also just illegally dump there too, because they can go there and it's not, um, there's no surveillance, there's no monitoring, et cetera, et cetera. So we're actually going to be doing a cleanup of these back road, these back roads with central West coast to remove all of the, all of this, all of this waste, which is, it's going to be really great to learn from them because we haven't done this type of cleanup, but also great to raise awareness that, you know, marine debris is caused from this. It's every, the ocean and the lakes are downstream from, from everywhere, yeah. you know, and it's to protect those ecosystems. We have to, again, remove the pollution that's also in terrestrial ecosystems as well. So, yeah. and, and do you have many rivers that run um, into Tofino and, and do you have to do river cleanups yeah. as well? Yeah, we haven't done a lot of river cleanups. Again, I know Central West Coast Forest Society has, but we do have a lot of rivers, and a lot of them are really important habitat for keystone species like salmon. And so, again, to keep these protected and healthy and free of pollution is is so vital to the functioning of this whole region. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this event coming up this Saturday. Um, Any other events uh, in in the next few months? Yeah. So our next one after that is on February 19th. One of our programs is called Stitch and Beach. So we create uh, reusable bags out of recycled textiles. So again, this sort of circular economy idea, taking something like these old linens that would other be in someone's closet are going be going to landfill and creating something functional out of them. So we create, again, these reusable bags and make it so that people don't have to buy plastic, but also make it free for people so that they don't have to buy reusable or buy paper or what have you not and, and so, then through that we so yeah. do you actually uh, put these bags together from um you teach the volunteers how to make these bags and then they just yeah. give them away is that is that it yeah That's so we have cool. a really our vice chair her name's kelby morris she leads the program she's an incredible sewer i'm terrible to be honest <laughs> i try to do bags and i feel like they're always the worst ones i'm good at talking about it and photographing it but i'm like seem to be better at destroying things than actually making things unfortunately <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so she has all these great ways to make bags and you can do it with these different, um, cutouts that she has. So you'll do, you'll like draw around the cutout. You can also make t-shirt bags. So converting old t-shirts into bags. And so she's got all these really innovative ways to quickly create these really sturdy reusable bags. And so, yeah, she'll teach the volunteers and then she'll also teach workshops on how to fix your items and not buy new, how to make things like um, reusable produce bags, how to make beeswax wrap instead of saran wrap, and all wow. of these other kinds of alternatives to single-use plastics. Fantastic. That sounds really exciting. I'd love to I'd love to join the workshop, but it's a bit far away. <laughs> we would love for you to join us. Whenever yeah. you come, you'll have to you'll have to join. Exactly. Yeah. So we have that going on. And then we have our public meetups the first week of every month. So that'll be the first Wednesday of March. And that's where we recruit volunteers, tell everyone what we're up to, our programs, our campaigns, uh, essentially how everyone can get involved and give back. And then on March 9th, we have our largest fundraiser of the year, which is really exciting. 
which is our Surfrider Sessions fundraiser at the Wiccaninish Inn. And that's going to be a really special evening with live music and a, a live and silent auction. And we have this uh, really cool gin that's going to make ocean-friendly cocktails. And it's a purple oh. gin using butterfly pea blossom. What? And so I'm, I'm particularly excited about that because <laughs> the purple gin is beautiful and local. And so we have that and amazing food. And it's just going to be a really special evening. So, so when, when's that? Yeah. Reminds the date. That one's March 9th. And March it's going 9th. to be at uh, the Wiccaninish Inn, who's one of our biggest sponsors. And it's one of the most beautiful resorts here on the coast. Brilliant. Brilliant. That sounds really exciting with the purple gin. That's definitely right? that's very intriguing. <laughs> and um, OK, so uh, what about the short film festival or the short film fest? Um, how do yeah. You- so what's, you can what's say either. About? You can say either. I think I say either. I probably just say have one way to say it. Some people just call it film fest. I'm like, yeah, it's just a film fest. Um, so that takes place in October every year. And this is actually going to be the fourth year that it's running. I started running it when I was, yeah, the first time I did, I, I started it when I was 22 years old. And I just saw this great opportunity to have an evening of short films that were yeah, no, speaking about environmental issues and showing um, the surfing culture, but not just your regular surf films, surf films with an interesting story, with a social and environmental message. And so, yeah, it was kind of created to do that and to, um, to show how we can create our local cultures through cinema. So we don't have to rely on big corporations and mass media to feed it to us. We can create it for ourselves through film. So all the films that we show are made by local cultures all over the world, including the, the culture here in the Pacific Rim as well. That's that's amazing. That's really, really refreshing to think that, you know, you can you don't have to be inspired by the mass media, but you can actually make your own. Have we missed anything on the on the whole front of the event? Yeah. And- I can tell you about a few more. We have talked about most. Um, So we have talked about all of the campaigns. Mm -hmm. And then for our programs, uh, one of our important ones that I think you'll like this because of the Green School is our Youth Environmental Stewardship Program. So through that, we have created a curriculum that teaches about uh, ocean plastics, about waste management, and again, creating a circular economy. And uh, through this curriculum, kids learn how to do beach cleanups and quantify data, how to make changes. And they also get the tools to launch campaigns in their schools to become ocean-friendly schools. So again, carrying the whole ocean-friendly theme. So that's a really, really amazing part of what we get to do. And we absolutely love working with all the students across the Pacific Rim. And uh, it's just the amazing change makers that they are and just how knowledgeable they are. You know, in grade eight, I had no idea what plastic pollution was, yet they know all about it. They're very, you know, they're very literate about that and other environmental issues. So that's a big part of what we do. We've talked about Stitch and Beach uh, wetsuit reincarnation we touched a bit about but yeah that's the recycling of the wetsuits which is yeah really really great because we have a big surf culture here and it's good to see that that's not going to waste but it's getting used uh, and put into an amazing ethical product and then we have our rise above plastics program which is surf riders biggest program which works to raise awareness about the dangers that plastics pose to marine environments mm-hmm. and to advocate for solutions and to advocate for the elimination of, of plastics and so all of our campaigns come under that and right now we're actually doing a rise above plastics workshop series so each month once or twice a month we are working with different um businesses and uh, one of our partners here the ukulele aquarium 